Hey, welcome to the 1505 Club. This week, I'm going to share with you about the history of Gonstead. Perhaps you've heard the manipulative and ignorant statement that history is written by the winners. In this case, I'm going to share with you from Matthew Amon's book, Gonstead the Adjuster. I know from speaking with Matthew Amon, when he was first starting the book, that the impetus for doing so had to do with inconsistencies that he heard between stories he was told by people who want to look good and the patients who experienced it firsthand. It was suggested to him that he go to the library and see if he could find evidence for one version of the story versus another. That's the reason why there's so much library material included in his book. Dr. Amon does not have a dog in the fight. So he's neither a winner nor a loser, so to speak, but he's simply telling a story that he can validate with evidence. Honestly, that's how most of history is recorded, despite what you may have been told. Having put together a two-hour lecture on the history of Gonstead that I have delivered many times, I thought I'd take the opportunity to share many of the details here, especially for those who have never read the book. So let's take a trip back in time and talk about the history of the Gonstead system and the man who created it all. I'd like to start with a story that I always use to set the tone for this topic. Several years ago, Charlie Martin asked me if I knew what Dr. Gonstead called what he did. It seemed an easy question that quickly became an impossible question. What do you think the answer to the question is? I eventually admitted that I didn't know. Charlie just smiled and he said he called it chiropractic. I always begin with this story because it's of the utmost importance to understand that Dr. Gonstead was not trying to create his own technique or his own version of chiropractic, or even his own theory of chiropractic, as the Gonstead system is based entirely on subluxation detection and correction. His only intention was to refine chiropractic as he understood it and to elevate it to a higher level. This stands in contrast to many of the early Palmer graduates who set out to create their own version of chiropractic or to change it to conform to their pre preconceived ideas. Clarence Selmer Gonstead was born in Willow Lake, South Dakota, July 24, 1898. Strangely enough, his parents were married in York, Wisconsin on March 15, 1894. They then moved to another colony of Norwegians in South Dakota, where Clarence was born, before returning later to Wisconsin in 1905 to buy their own 250-acre dairy farm in Primrose Township, Wisconsin. It's interesting to note that because of the farm and the work Clarence was expected to do, he made it to school less than half the time and graduated in 1918, shortly before his 20th birthday, with only an 8th grade education. It was probably from his days working on the farm that Clarence developed the habit of working from dusk till dawn, seven days a week. While Clarence would often state in interviews that he was a graduate engineer from the University of Wisconsin, no documentation has ever been found to support this claim. However, it is clear that he worked as an auto repairman, which explains why he would refer to his background as auto engineering rather than mechanical engineering. It was while Clarence was living with his Aunt Diane from 1918 to 1920 that we get the famous story of him developing acute rheumatoid arthritis. According to Gonstead, the pain began in his toes and made it difficult to walk. By the third day, it was his whole foot and he couldn't walk at all. He thought it was getting better after a week when it suddenly appeared in his left knee, which swelled up. From there, it appeared in his right knee and he was out of school for about four weeks by this time. After about two weeks of being bedridden under the care of the university doctors, 
His aunt declared, Now you've fooled around with those university doctors long enough. Now I'm going to call in my doctor. Enter Dr. J.B. Olson. One of the things that I think is unique about Dr. Gonstead is that he was heavily influenced by B.J. Palmer during his time at Palmer College, but he was also heavily influenced by D.D. Palmer through the influence of his mentor, Dr. J.B. Olson. J.B. Olson was convinced by D.D. Palmer to attend his school in Portland, Oregon. Following graduation, he returned to Wisconsin near Madison, which set the stage for him being the one to adjust young Clarence when he was suffering with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. But that wasn't the end of the story for J.B. Olson. We'll get back to him in just a bit. Clarence Gonstead received such dramatic results from his experience with chiropractic that he couldn't shake the idea that he too should become a chiropractor. At that time, he was set to go to engineering school to then return to work for the J.I. Case Company, a company that he repaired uh, machinery, the, uh, the big vehicles for. In conversation with his father, he explained that he just felt this chiropractic thing was something he had to pursue. If it didn't work out, he could always go back to the J.I. Case Company and get his job back. His father eventually understood the pull and agreed that it was something worth pursuing. Shortly after graduation, July 12, 1923, Gonstead returned to Wisconsin, just shy of his 25th birthday. While stories of the details of how it happened differ, the end result was that Gonstead took over J.B. Olson's practice for about six months while Dr. Olson was out of the office. Upon his return, Clarence realized that setting up practice in Madison was beyond his financial means, so he decided to go closer to home to the tiny town of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, and a population of 1,350 people. The only chiropractor in Mount Horeb at that time was Dr. B.J. Jones. He practiced on the second floor of the bank building, a space he shared with an attorney and three medical doctors. Jones was interested in selling his practice due to his wife's mental problems. Gonstead took over the practice in December of 1923. Gonstead got off to a difficult start, Initially, he turned to J.B. Olson for help. Dr. Olson insisted that Gonstead could do it even though he didn't think he was good enough. Dr. Olson eventually offered to come out and help him, but Clarence didn't want that either because Olson's practice was doing well and having him in the office would only make Clarence look worse by comparison. So in July of 1924, Clarence convinced Dr. B- Dr. Jones, B.J. Jones, to buy back half of the practice. The two of them then signed a 10-year contract to acquire the neurokilometer. By the time the device arrived and appeared, Dr. Jones had disappeared. Gonstead then acquired an x-ray machine. There's an old story, I don't know if it's true, but it makes the point of why Gonstead was seeking out this equipment for his office. The story goes that before graduating from Palmer, Clarence Gonstead said to B.J. Palmer, I really like what you've done with the Atlas. I'd like to apply that amount of specificity and precision to the entire spine. And B.J. said, that's an interesting idea. I'll let you know what I think of it when it's my idea. Gonstead was firmly convinced that the next level, or evolution if you will, of chiropractic would come from greater precision and specificity. He wasn't redefining anything, he was simply trying to do it better and with more predictability. In 1929, Clarence's younger brother Merton joined the practice after practicing for two years in Texas. The two brothers were very much alike, which led to a synergy between them. The only downside was that their wives did not get along. When Merton started school at Palmer, He took a job as an embalming assistant at a mortuary. This job gave him an understanding of anatomy and physiology that was unique among chiropractors due to the fact that Palmer College was not allowed to perform human dissection at that time. The Gonstead disc concept was no doubt formed with information gained from conversations between Clarence and Merton. 
Merton stayed with Clarence until 1934, when he decided it was best to leave after numerous disagreements between their wives. Gonstead then opened his first freestanding clinic March 3, 1939. It was a 1,470-square-foot facility. There's so much more to the Gonstead story, including Cadillacs, airplanes, his home, various interns, and adjusting equipment he invented. For those details, I would recommend reading the book, Gonstead the Adjuster. I'd like to shift gears just a bit and talk more about the origin of the seminars. To begin this section, I'd like to begin with my favorite quote from the entire book by Matthew Amon. It's a quote from B.J. Palmer, and it goes like this. A great master at any task demonstrates proficiency by accomplishing his objective with as little effort as possible. A golfer's hole-in-one is the ultimate example. A chiropractor may be in the Bobby Jones class, or the Tiger Woods class for a younger generation, and play in the 60s, or he may belong to the tall sticks and play Civil War golf, out in 61 and back in 65. Those who play the hole-in-one game, whether it be golf, baseball, or chiropractic, specialize and centralize their time, money, effort, and ability. The master seeks to lower the score. The practitioner who plays championship chiropractic will not waste time with shotgun adjustments. The less you do, if done right, the greater will be the results. There were both Bobby Jones and Babe Ruth in chiropractic. The champion chiropractor will find the specific spot that needs concentrated delivery and make a hole-in-one or home run to health. As we look at the science of chiropractic in hindsight, BJ's HIO years had devastating effects on both the clinical competency of practitioners and the advancement of science in chiropractic. If not for the emergence of Clarence Gonstead, the science of chiropractic may have died a rather unceremonious death. At a time when chiropractic science was on the ropes, Clarence Gonstead built a tremendous practice, known for its results, and everything he did was informed by his understanding of the science. As might be expected in such a situation, there was tremendous interest in learning what Gonstead was doing and why he was doing it. Enter Ted Markham, the man who originally created the Gonstead Seminar. When Ted Markham first came to hear Gonstead speak, he was skeptical of what he had heard about Gonstead. Honestly, I think we can all relate to that. When it comes to chiropractic, there's often a whole lot of sizzle and very little steak. What Ted Markham heard that day would radically alter the course of his life. Hopefully, there are many of us who can relate to that as well. The reason why I think this part of the story is important is because most chiropractic seminars are created by people who want to give themselves a stage and an audience. Their unique chiropractic creation comes secondary to their need or desire to establish themselves as an authority with an audience of loyal followers. For Clarence Gonstead, that was absolutely not the case. He didn't want to teach, and he was initially uninterested in traveling to teach a seminar. He didn't need a second business as he was already consumed with his primary business of delivering chiropractic seven days a week. For Ted Markham, despite his reluctance, he continually witnessed that whenever he failed to help a patient, Gonstead's recommendation proved correct. He was inevitably forced to recognize that Gonstead saw things differently than most chiropractors and that his methods and procedures were superior to all others. To this day, we find that many are still resistant, to put it nicely, to the idea that Gonstead chiropractic is superior and that it gets better results. The only way we will ever convince these people is if we do the system correctly, continue to learn all that we can, and prove our worth with consistently better results, just like Gonstead did. On a Sunday in April of 1954, the Markhams, Ted and Phyllis, 
organized seven people in the basement of the clinic for formal classes. This was the very first Gonstead Seminar of Chiropractic. For the first four years, classes were held twice a year, and they attracted about 30 chiropractors, some of whom were there because they had lost patients to Dr. Gonstead, even though they were from a different state. In 1962, Ted Markham sold his practice to take on the responsibility of running the seminars full-time. As the seminars continued to grow, they took on an aggressive schedule of doing a seminar every two weeks. While Gonstead could not be there for the entire event, he would always show up late Saturday or early Sunday. He would then speak for about a half an hour or maybe an hour, and then he would adjust everyone in attendance. It was the experience of feeling the adjustment at the hands of Dr. Gonstead that caused the seminar to continue to grow. It's sort of funny that the only hang-up to continued growth was Gonstead's poor communication ability. Ted Markham eventually figured out that it was best to have others, who were good communicators, do the explaining and have Gonstead do the demonstrating. Many people would attend these seminars over the years, leading many of them to conclude that the greatest difference between Gonstead and all others was his pursuit of the plane line of the disc instead of the plane line of the facet. This is extremely profound when you realize that the difference between Gonstead's success rate and everyone else's failure rate was accomplished by a simple change in vector. How many chiropractors today fail to appreciate the precision or the specificity of the vector they apply, yet Gonstead built the largest chiropractic practice in the world by choosing a better vector? I would say that the vector you choose is the most important factor in determining whether or not your adjustment will be successful. How often we see young chiropractors question whether or not they're adjusting the proper segment. Certainly, that is an important question to ask, but wouldn't it be even more valuable to question whether or not you're applying the proper vector, a question that's rarely asked? We tend to take the adjustment for granted. I remember in my early years that I would have patients where I knew that I had the proper listing on the proper vertebra. In those situations, I would tell myself over and over, and sometimes out loud, you have to give a better adjustment. I knew that the only thing keeping that patient from getting better was the poor quality of my adjustment. That meant I had to choose a better vector. I had to control the depth of the thrust, and I had to have the perfect timing to sneak it past their defenses. Those are the three components to making a better adjustment. Direction, depth, and timing. I know I may have veered off course here a bit, but the real reason why I love history is because when you can apply what you learn, you can fast-track your way to success. As I recently heard someone say, knowledge isn't power until you apply it. To know something and then behave contrary to that knowledge isn't going to do you very much good. I've given you a brief retelling of the Gonstead story, skipping over certain parts of the story and highlighting other parts. So why did I tell the story this way? Gonstead did not come from a chiropractic family. In fact, when he first saw J.B. Olson, he was probably a bit skeptical, but he was desperate, so he went anyway. Isn't that how many of us started? And don't you have a number of patients who were skeptical the first time you saw them, but now they would see, never see anyone else? Convincing someone to change their religious views is nearly impossible, but convincing someone to change their view of health and wellness is nearly just as impossible. How amazing is it that we can radically transform a person's view of what it means to be healthy and well, and we can do it with just our hands, using no words? That's what Gonstead experienced. That's my story of my first Gonstead adjustment. I'd be willing to bet it's your story too. There's a quote that's commonly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. The quote is, 
Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. This quote highlights the fact that actions always speak louder than words. Most of us are committed Gonstead doctors because we experienced an adjustment, not because someone sat us down and reasoned us to it. I'm not saying you shouldn't educate your patients, but a great adjustment with your hands will do more educating than your mouth could ever do. Dr. Gonstead would say that you have no right to talk to the patient about chiropractic until after you've made a difference in their symptoms. Just think about how foolish it looks to tell people about the miracle of chiropractic, but never deliver the miracle. In contrast, if you do deliver the miracle, even without saying a word, people will demand to know more, and you'll have an open door to say whatever you want. In reading through the book, Dr. Amon has included numerous advertisements from the seminars. One of the ads offers the opportunity to pay for five seminars at once, with some steep savings. I found this interesting, because they had already figured out the importance of continual education. Another testimony talked about making the commitment of 50 seminars in five years. They then went on to describe how the seminar attendance immediately led to a growing practice and better results. I'm not necessarily suggesting you become a seminar junkie, but it does demonstrate the value of continual learning. The other thing I see from these early seminar days was the consistency of learning from one teacher, namely Dr. Gonstead. Today it's easy to learn from a whole host of people. You could have a different teacher every day. The point isn't that you shouldn't learn from people when you have the chance. The point is to not neglect the value of consistency in teaching. This is because you can't master Gonstead the first time you hear it. The learning process is difficult, but consistency makes it easier. Or maybe I should say that the other way around. Inconsistency makes it a whole lot harder to learn. Consistency is the easiest pathway, which means you go further, faster. I hope you gained something valuable from hearing the story, history of Dr. Gonstead. I'd like to thank Matthew Amon for giving us such a wonderful book to reference. I've only scratched the surface today. If you do not have the book and you'd like to get a copy, contact Michelle at GCSS. Dr. Amon has done an incredible job of recording this history in such detail, and as you read it, there are a number of unex unexpected surprises along the way. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to the next conversation I can share with you. Until then... I hope you have the very best week possible, and I'll see you again next time.